That's pretty good, hey? I am an expectant. Are you expectant today? So good morning. As it's been said, my name is Adrian, and today our message is on John 14, 15 to 18. And so if you have a Bible, you can turn there, and if you don't, if you don't it'll be on the screen. Um, but first, let's pray, and then we'll read in John 14. God, we thank you that we can be an expectant people today. We thank you for your sacrificial and your victorious love. Holy Spirit, would you come? Would you awaken our hearts to the love of God today? Thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right. So John 14, starting at verse 15. These are the words of Jesus. If you love me, keep my commands, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. We have a lot to be expectant for today. And if I'm honest, when I think about being expectant, what I immediately, instantly think about are airports. No? Airports are full of expectation, like both good and bad. Like you, nowadays, you're like, oh, I might miss my flight. But back in the good old days, you're like, I get to go somewhere nice. But for me, airports were always this place where I got to expect that I would see the people I love. And so during childhood, my dad, he was on this fly-in, fly-out rotation my whole childhood. And so every other weekend on Friday, my mom and my sisters and I would head to the airport and wait for him. That's how you did it. You kind of waited forever because we didn't have cell phones, so there was no heads up if his flight was canceled. But that's a whole different bag of worms. And then as I grew up, I made a lot of trips home with Justice as he grew up so we could visit my family. And then after we adopted Camille, the first time our family of four was ever in the same room was at Fort Memory International Airport. Weird, eh? But cool. But airports are places sometimes of the most significant moments. But even outside of all of that, my children, what gets them the most every time is when the grandpa grandparents fly in, right? Anybody have grandparents fly in before? And the kids are like so excited, they count down the days, they um, get ready for them, and no matter the circumstance, whether it's grandma and grandpa or nana coming down the escalator, they run to them and they hug them, and then of course after they're done, Lucas and I then hug them, because we also love them. But whether I threaten my kids or not, whether I tell them to or not, every single time, what do they say to the grandparents? So now what'd you bring me? What'd you bring me? And I'm like, they, they've been here five minutes on the ground, can you not? Flat out, doesn't matter. And, but as we get older, it gets to be somehow less about the gifts. I, although I will say that Lucas's mom still does bring him a frozen cabbage so that she can make him cabbage rolls. But I, I'm not really sure if frozen cabbage counts as a gift. Maybe, maybe it does or not. But either way, as adults, you never really see a grown adult run up to someone else and say, so would you bring me? You don't. 
At some point in our lives, each of us matures enough to say, or to stop saying, what you bring me? And over time, it becomes far, far more about the relationship that we have with the person than what they might have for us. It becomes more about receiving the person than it does about receiving the gifts that they may or may not have, even if it's like cabbage. <laughs> but this morning, I want to encourage you, to, and I want to encourage us, not just you, me too, to have this heart of receiving, expecting that God will meet us here today, both with his relationship, yes, but maybe also with a gift that he brings out of this relationship he has with us. So today, got a little loud there, sorry guys. Through the lens of John 14, we're going to talk about the love of God. That God meets us with his love, God gives us his presence, and that God always has more for us. And then later, we'll take communion together. And communion is this physical and spiritual act where God has actually, he's promised to meet us. And the good news is that it's totally normal that when God meets us, lives are changed. Those who feel unloved find love. Those who feel hopeless find hope. And the broken are healed. We have a lot to be expectant for today. And John's Gospel is the last of the four Gospels. And in chapters 13 to 17, where our text is found, John records for us Jesus' final night and the last words to his disciples. Jesus is encouraging and he's comforting his disciples, but he's also revealing to us more about the heart of God. And in this specific passage, he's promising us the gift of the Spirit. And so let's listen again to the words of Jesus. If you love me, keep my commands, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. And so our first point is today that God meets us with his love. So Jesus, as he spoke this words, he, he's finding himself around the Passover table, and he's talking to his disciples about life, what life will be like after he dies on the cross. And he finds himself here in this position because the heart of God, the heart of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit is to love. It's love that's brought him here thus far, and it's love that's leading him to the cross. It's love that's breaking the heart of the Father, but it's love that leads the Father on. And it's for the sake of the people that are sitting around the table with him, and it's for the sake of you, and it's for the sake of I that he's doing this. The sacrificial love of God is making a way for humanity to be in right relationship with God in loving and perfect peace with him. But Jesus knows. He knows the cross, this ultimate act of love that is coming soon. And so our text, he starts, he says, if you love me, keep my commands. Keep my commands, what does he mean? In Matthew 22, Jesus, these are the words of Jesus as well. He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. He commands his disciples and us to love God 
and to love our neighbors. And he shows us consistently throughout the Bible that this love requires action. When Lucas and I were preparing to adopt Camille, we were required to take some classes and to read a few books on childhood trauma. And when we go through trauma, whether it's as a child or as an adult, it can mark us physically, emotionally, spiritually. And most of us probably know that because most of us have probably experienced some sort of trauma or brokenness. It's just kind of how life goes sometimes. But one author talking about childhood trauma, she said this, the biggest indicator of future health and healing is the presence of one stable, significant other. And not a spouse or a parent, just another significant other. And another author said this, what is hopeful is that healing doesn't need to come from your relationship with your parent. A safe connection with another trustworthy, attuned adult can change your loving attachment trajectory. And there's a lot of hope and there's a lot of good news in these statements and not just for traumatized children, but for all of us. Whether we have trauma that's you know, physical or emotional or spiritual, God provided a solution to our one need for one significant other through the gospel. Did he not? So let's look at 1 John 4, 9. Sorry, guys, give me a sec. There we go. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. Life emotionally, physically, spiritually. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. This is the gospel. This is our good news. God's unstoppable love is freely given to us without requirement to earn it or to strive for it. And in Romans, Paul states it very plainly for us. If you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. We have an offer of salvation from God and it's not just from God, it's from the God who loves us. It's out of love. But I want to remind us today that even after salvation, God continues to meet with us with love. He continues to love us. And the sense that I have is that some of us understand that God loves us, but we are resistant to actually receiving it. And whatever the reason, whether it's sin or unforgiveness or the inability to forgive yourself or addictions or wounds or bitterness or whatever, you are worthy of God's love. The issue of your value was settled at the cross when Jesus decided that you were worth it. You are worth his sacrifice and he loves you. So do you need to receive God's love again today? We're going to put a prayer on the screen. You can have a look over it. If you would like to receive God's love again today, I'm going to invite you to pray this with me. 
So read it over. All right. So if you'd like to, you can pray this aloud with me. Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God, that you died on the cross for me. Forgive me of my sins. I believe that you love me, and I choose to receive your love today. Restore me, Jesus. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you, guys. All right, our next, we'll look at our next couple verses here from our text in John 14. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. Next, God gives us his presence. This other advocate that Jesus is speaking about here is the Holy Spirit. And Jesus says the Holy Spirit is an advocate, meaning that he will come alongside of us to provide defense and counsel for us. He's the spirit of truth. He will help us. He will be with us forever. And he will live in us. And I will say, now we know he does live in us. The spirit is bringing a new intimacy with God, a new ever-present closeness with God. And what a beautiful gift it is for us to receive. The Holy Spirit reveals God's presence and gives us his power and authority. He softens our hearts and draws us close to Jesus. He convicts us of sin and enables us to keep Jesus' commands to love. The Holy Spirit illuminates scripture and he leads us in worship and he fills us with the spirit. And as we give him access and surrender to him, he continually reveals more of who God is to us. The Holy Spirit also gives a diversity of gifts to his people, distributing gifts just as he determines to build up the church. Probably so that we need each other. Not all of us have every gift. Not all of us have very many gifts sometimes. It doesn't feel like that. But he enables us to love and he creates unity in the church. In the work of the Holy Spirit, he gives us love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Are there areas of your life where you need the help of the Holy Spirit? And maybe you would say, like, my whole life needs help. No? I need more of the Holy Spirit's work in my life for sure. Do you? Do you need help? Today might be a good day to ask the Holy Spirit to fill you again. And we can do this because God is here with us. We can come to him and we can ask him. So, if you would like the Holy Spirit to fill you with his presence today, there's going to be a prayer on the screen. We'll go ahead and put it up for you have a look over it and if you'd like to read it together we will all right let's pray holy spirit i need your help fill me again anoint my life my walk and my calling lead me deeper into god's love today I receive you with a thankful heart, and I surrender my life to you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 
And you see, Jesus not only promises the Holy Spirit in this passage, he also promises to actually come himself and to take up residence through the power of the Holy Spirit in the lives of believers. And as Christians, you and I are the very living presence of Jesus in the world. That's pretty dang cool. Let's go to our next verse, the final verse. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you, says in John 14, 18. So our last point today is about how God has more for us. And this point is mostly for the people who struggled with the first two points of God, of that God loves us and that God is with us. Do you have doubt that God, that God loves you? Do you have doubt that God gives you his presence? Because if you do, I think it's totally normal in our relationship with God to wrestle with the fact of believing that God loves us while not really feeling like he does. Do you know what I mean? I think it's also normal to wrestle with the fact of thinking like, okay, like I know that you're God with us. Like I remember the Christmas story, but when it comes to here, like I don't actually really feel like you're here right now. And I think that's normal. But I think also, I think also that our relationship with God, while it's not just about emotions or feelings or experiences, it shouldn't be that. But since we have this actual real relationship with him, it should include that. It should include in a feeling or an experience, right? And I think that we should expect, that we can expect, that our heart knowledge can come alongside of our intellectual knowledge, and vice versa, making his love very real and present to us. And so doubts are not, struggles are not, God has more for us. Lucas and I, we were really young when we started dating, and for you teenagers in the room, too young. <laughs> we were 15 when we met, and uh, we started dating pretty soon after. And I can't tell exactly when, like I can't tell you exactly when we became boyfriend and girlfriend, because he never actually asked me to be his girlfriend. And that was because he thought I should just know. <laughs> like, honestly. But after a few months of dating, Valentine's Day rolls around, and he sent me this big, beautiful bouquet of yellow roses. And that was a pretty fancy thing for a 15-year-old to do at the time. Like, I was so excited. But Lucas, he was on vacation in Hawaii with his family, but I was so excited, and so I called him. And now, I will say this so that it makes sense to you. If you've been around here a bit, you'll know. But Lucas sort of teases me a lot. And he did back then, too, and he loves joking around, and usually, definitely at my expense. <laughs> but it's good. It makes life a little bit less serious most of the time. <laughs> a little more serious if he gets in trouble, but that's all right. No big deal. But anyway, I got these beautiful flowers from him on Valentine's Day, and I'm just so excited to call him and tell him that I'm, like, I got them. I'm just so excited. So anyway, I call him. And he answers, and I say something like, oh my gosh, thank you so much for the flowers, they are just so beautiful. And he laughs. 
And I'm like, okay, okay. Like, I'm just so surprised that you sent them to me. I just, I'm so, I just can't believe it. I love you so much. And he laughs again. He says, Lucas isn't here right now. <laughs> but I know his voice. And I'm like, no, no, no. So I'm like, Lucas, stop. This was the sweetest thing ever. Like, you have to know, like, I really do love you. This was so amazing. And he says, okay, thank you. I'll let him know that you called. And he hangs up. <laughs> and that's how I met Lucas's brother, Nathan. <laughs> and I like to think that Nathan and I have such a good relationship now because of how early on I told him I loved him. <laughs> Oh, but anyway, Nathan got in the way of our relationship. <laughs> and sometimes in our relationship with God, our, ex our circumstances, the opinions of other people, our own brokenness or the enemy of our souls, they get all noisy. And they get in the way of us hearing from God clearly. They get in the way of our relationship with God, right? And probably the worst part of all this like noise is that it can leave us feeling unloved. It's not what Jesus would have for us. And this verse that we, that we read earlier, John 14, 18, where it says, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. In that context, he's telling his disciples that after he dies on the cross, he will rise again in victory and that he will come to, him, to them. But in our context... These words, they are still true and they still reveal the very heart of God. That he loves us, he will not leave us, he has not forgotten us. And so many times, so many times, I've come back to this verse. Whether it was going through a very long and difficult adoption process, I just remember breathe praying this verse. Jesus, you said, you said you would not leave us as orphans, you will come to us. Come to me. Go to Kami. Or whether it was walking through the grief of broken friendships, because that happens. Praying, Jesus, even if everyone leaves me or abandons me, you said that you would not leave me. Come to me. Or whether it was preparing for today's message. Jesus, come to me. Help me out. Come to this place. There's a lot of noise in the world that distracts us from the love of God. And if we are intentional about fixing our minds on the truth, we can begin living like unloved, hopeless people. And we were not made for that. And in John 8, more of the words of Jesus, he says, If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Hold on to the teachings of Jesus, and then you'll find freedom. Hold on to the teachings of Jesus. Remember the stories of how he loved. Remember the words that he spoke. Memorize the ones that encouraged you as you read. And here are a few you can see on God's love. He will not leave you as orphans. He will come to you. Nothing can separate you from God's love. 
The Spirit himself testifies that we are God's children. And to those who believed in him, he gave the right to become children of God. John 14 teaches us that God meets us with his love. God is with us and that God has more for us. And Jesus, after these final words to his disciples, he suffered and he died on the cross, but he rose again in victory over sin and over death, giving us his own victory. And in 1 Peter it says, He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to us sins and live for righteousness by his wounds you have been healed communion is a physical and a spiritual act where we remember his sacrificial love for us the juice represents the blood of jesus that is shed for you and the bread represents his body that was given for you and after we pray you can come up and take a communion package and then take it back to your seat and in remembrance drink the juice and eat the bread but remember, communion is a place where God has promised to meet with us. And it is totally normal that when God meets with us, lives are changed. Those who feel unloved find love. The hopeless find hope. The broken are healed. And like First Peter says, by his wounds you have been healed. Emotionally, physically, spiritually. May it be so for us today. We can expect that today. Okay. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for loving us. Thank you for your ultimate act of love in going to the cross on our behalf. We receive your love again. And we surrender our lives to you. Holy Spirit, thank you for coming to us. And today as we receive communion, Holy Spirit, would you fill us again and lead us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.